Welcome back to the program. This is your host, Ron Wells, coming to you live from the MyBillReview.com studios in sunny South Florida. I'm doing this recording um, after the NFL draft. This is my post-draft wrap-up. Just giving you some news and notes, my takeaways on team building and uh, what I expect uh, going forward as camps, you know, are on hold because of, you know, the coronavirus, the pandemic. Um, Keep your family safe. Stay inside if you have, um, if you can. If you have to go out, you know, go out sparingly. You ain't got to do all that extra nonsense and mess, but... It was glad and I was glad and it was refreshing to have some remnants or semblance of hope that sports would possibly return. I understand that it's secondary to, you know, the lives out there. But at the same time, the hopes and dreams of all of these players um, out of the, you know, 275 or so players that were drafted and the countless undrafted free agents that um, were picked up by teams shortly thereafter. I understand you didn't get your name called, but. You got to remember and just keep your head up because half the league is literally undrafted free agents. The other half are first and second round picks. So there's a varying degree of, you know, success. It's not where you start, it's where you finish. And uh, that's the theme of this uh, podcast for today is not where you start, it's where you finish. Because the offseason is not truly over. But this is the culmination of, you know, a lot of players' college careers and what they were looking forward to. Um, I want to give a special thanks to all of the folks who chimed in on my posts on the um, the program podcast 85 on Facebook.com. Um, I want to thank uh, the people who joined my live um, feed, um, Zoom feed on us uh, Friday night. Um, it was, it was, I'm sorry, Thursday night. It was fun. It was it was a lot of, you know, talking about who was getting drafted here. Raiders fans, Dolphins fans. Um, you know, it was, um, you know, some Colts fans on there, um, other people out there. And, you know, just talking to um, people on Facebook and Twitter, your, your mentions didn't go um, unnoticed. Um, some of my friends, Willie Payne, um, Jonathan Scavella, Troy Patrick, people I conversed with while the draft was going on. I want to give you all a special shout out because, you kind of helped uh, influence some of the things that I was um, thinking of as I was coming up with this uh, this post reaction podcast. Edwin Ferguson, um, attorney Edwin Ferguson, um, as well. That was um, it was fun to fun to converse with you guys. But um, here are my final takeaways on the NFL draft. Um, my big winners um, of the draft were the Minnesota Vikings, Baltimore Ravens, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Arizona Cardinals, Miami Dolphins, and Carolina Panthers. They came in and executed what looked like a distinct plan for their rosters. And some of them had to pivot, like the Arizona Cardinals. They definitely had to pivot when something was staring them straight in the face. And I'll get to them in a second. Um, But um, starting off with uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, good teams do what bad teams don't do, and they take advantage of them. And the Baltimore Ravens and even the Kansas City Chiefs, um, they did that. Um, a player like Patrick Queen, um, LSU linebacker, number eight, basically the best player on that defense this past season. Um, kid finally got his chance to start. And, yeah, it's a concern that he was a one-year uh, wonder because he had so many linebackers in front of him at LSU that he had to wait his turn to start. <laughs> but kid came out and balled this year. He is the player 
outside of Caleb um Von Chasen. Um he was the player that flashed the most on LSU's defense. And he was the most consistent player overall on LSU's defense the entire year. He was the straw that stirred that drink. Chasen allowed um he allowed Chasen to do what he does, but he was definitely the straw that stirred that drink. He kept right assignments. He filled gaps. He hit with pop. Um, ATN and the national title game couldn't do nothing, not because of Chasen, but because of um, uh, because of Queen. And you literally give him to the Baltimore Ravens, who just picked up Calais Campbell again, showing what a plan is. The Ravens had trouble stopping the run up the middle. They didn't have problems going sideline to sideline. But since they lost Mosley, um, it was a glaring need. They had trouble filling, and they had and Derek Nottie, who went over to Kansas City Chiefs. They had um, tru- um, trouble filling. They had a need. Calais Campbell fills the need um, in the defense up front, and then you got Patrick Queen, who will come up and fill the gaps. Now, that defense is going to be the strength of that team going forward. <laughs> they they pick up Patrick Queen. Then they come back around and they circle around and they they just make pick after pick players falling to them, not moving up and down the draft, but taking advantage of people doing dumb mess like the, the San Diego or sorry, L.A. Chargers who pick a linebacker out of Oklahoma who was the best player on the defense. Yeah, but the defense was trash. And then he's getting stats and garbage time versus good teams. Yeah, he had 17 tackles. I'm um, sorry, 15 tackles versus Alabama. But they were down 31 to 10 going into the second half. And he got his half sack in garbage time. Like, come on, man. You're not a great linebacker, but you go ahead of Patrick Queen. The Chargers, I'll get to the Chargers later. But they missed on this draft. Um, And then the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, great teams and great front offices taking advantage of teams who don't pay attention. And they got a player that fit their system with um, St. Hilaire out of um, LSU. Again, you got to know who's in that front office. And when you got a coach like Andy Reid and you got his front office director who basically knows exactly the types of players that he needs and you got that communication going back and forth between coach and personnel director down to players, then you understand where things are coming from. And they take St. Hilaire, who is basically my comp for him coming out was Brian Westbrook. Um, If you're an Eagles fan, you know who exactly I'm talking about. He was their running back when Donovan McNabb was there. Catches the ball out of the backfield, can run between the tackles, can block, can do all the little things. Basically, a Marshall Falk like. And you just gave Andy Reid that when he was winning a Super Bowl with Damian Williams. Like, the league, sometimes you just got to take players and learn how to use them so that great teams like the Chiefs don't get to use them. Everybody's sitting there going, DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift. I was like, he's not the back for them. Um, He's special. Don't get it twisted. He is special. He can catch the ball, too. But he's not St. Hilaire when it comes to that mold of type of running back. And you see basically the translation of old Andy Reid to new Andy Reid. He still would desire that type of back. Shady McCoy was more so in that mold um, talent-wise, like spectacular pop-off-the-screen talent. 
that DeAndre Swift was. And I feel bad for Swift because he's going to a bad Lions team. But the long and short, you know, you let teams like Kansas City get that. Then I'm moving down to the Dolphins. I said before the draft, the Dolphins had a chance to remake their whole offensive roster. And I think that they did a decent job at doing that. Um, But even still, it was also the moves outside of that that I was really impressed with. How they picked up uh, Matt Breida um, when they didn't take a running back um, in the second round, that was a pretty good move. Fourth round pick for Matt Breida, um, the type of running back that you kind of needed to go in this draft to um, complement with Kalen Balaj and the things you already have in the backfield with um, Howard as well, coming over in free agency. Really solid move. Then the Dolphins, of course, they, they didn't shit the bed and draft. They finally drafted a really good quarterback into a Tonga Faloa. Then they went and addressed the need of a left tackle, an actual left tackle. They picked a left tackle um, because they already have a you know a right tackle and a right guard. Then they go and get what I, in my opinion, was the best slot corner in the draft because they have two outside corners with um, uh, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. So you got two tall, lanky outside corners. Then you get a slot corner who can basically do what Minka Fitzpatrick wasn't willing to do in Miami and play in the middle of the field and make tackles and be solid in that regard. Then you get an offensive guard, uh, Robert Hunt, um, who played tackle in college. But I think he would be a good left guard in the league. You do a good job of doing that. Raekwon Davis is a problem in the middle when he was at Alabama. Good pick there. Brandon Jones at safety at Texas. I like the pedigree of coming out of Texas when you're a defensive back. Um, They have a history of having good safeties and good, um, decent corner play. So I don't mind that pick there in the third round. I wish they would have probably picked up um, um, a different safety, but Brandon Jones was pretty good. His tape was solid. The offensive guard, Solomon Kinley out of Georgia. Again, if Robert Hunt is not your guard um, at um, left guard, then Solomon Kinley can be. And again, Hunt can play right tackle if you need him to, but Solomon Kinley definitely can play left guard. Um, then they got Curtis Weaver out of Boise State, one of my sleepers in the draft. I liked Curtis Weaver a lot. I saw what he did against Florida State on um, the second game of the year versus their offensive line throughout his years over at, um, at Boise State. He was a sack artist. Um, I understand that he's not as explosive as you may see on, you know, combine measurables. But at the end of the day, I still think this kid can play. He's going to be a starter in this league. I think he's going to get six or seven sacks a year, and you're going to be happy with that type of production. And you got that in the fifth round. Minimum five or six sacks a season. Minimum. Um, And then, you know, to round it out with Malcolm Perry, the former quarterback at Navy, you know, he's going to be your do-it-all, you know, Swiss Army knife type of player. He might fit in the slot like your Wes Welker types. Um, West Welker, Debo Samuels, you put him in that type of role and you're rolling the dice. He's the seventh round pick. If he doesn't work out, oh, well, but if he does, great. Um, Then we're moving on over to another big winner of mine, the Minnesota Vikings. Again, I like teams that show that they have plans. Now, you got Justin Jefferson, who basically um, replaces Diggs and takes that, um, lowers your cap hit on that. Justin Jefferson is every bit as good as Stephon Diggs was when he was coming out. I think that was a really good pick, and he's 6'1", 202, um, similar speed, but definitely similar route running ability. One of the best route runners in this draft. Jeff Gladney going over to Minnesota. Again, the head coach is similar to his head coach over at um, TCU, Gary Patterson, um, over at TCU. is very similar to the head coach of the uh, Vikings. His name is escaping me right now. Hold on one second. Let me go pull it up. 
forgive me for this. I usually, you know, can name this stuff off the top of my head. But um, Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer was under um, uh, uh, Marvin Lewis over in um, in, um, in Cincinnati um, as his defensive coordinator. He had also been the former head coach of Cincinnati, believe it or not, back in the day. But Mike Zimmer, as a defensive coordinator, what he does with DBs is amazing. What he did with Xavier Rhodes, making him an all-pro, amazing. What he's done in defensive back um, – um, segment of defense has been amazing his whole career. He will protect Gladney from the, the ills that he has as a defender. The reason why he had a, such a good game on C.D. Lamb is because he played off the entire um, the entire game, and he didn't allow C.D. Lamb to get over the top, so he was getting little stuff here and there underneath. And that is Gladney's, you know, forte, is playing over the top, playing, um, you know, cover three, cover four type coverages, and really wreaking havoc with his length. I think that's a really good pick to replace a player like Xavier Rhodes. Moving on, um, also to Minnesota's picks, They, like I said, they seemed like they had a plan and they executed the plan. Now, those were just the first two picks. Then you go down the board, players that I also like, Ezra Cleveland, offensive tackle. They already fixed their left tackle um, position last year. Ezra Cleveland coming over would be able to do everything you need to do at right tackle. Cam Dantzler, another long, linky corner. Um, who has some issues um, um, sometimes in the um, bump and run, but definitely a really good over-the-top um, corner and gets interceptions, just like Gladney. His hands stick to the ball. Another player, my under-radar player um, as well, James Lynch. Um, this kid, in my opinion, will be probably their steal of the draft. He's going to do more production and damage on the inside and outside. He can work inside, he can work outside. He's like a mini J.J. Watt. His effort is amazing. His motor is amazing. Um, I really think that D- James Lynch is going to be uh, the consummate pro and probably a stalwart in the middle of that defense um, um, to replace some of the older heads that are in the middle of that defense. Inside linebacker Troy Dye can run his behind off. Um, Harrison Hand, again, another fast, long, physical corner. He may be 5'11", but he's long and physical, um, can run. K.J. Osborne, again, even though um, he he came out of Buffalo, was a grad transfer to Miami, instantly became a captain on Miami's um, um, squad out the gate. And as a grad transfer, like, that's how you know either your roster is in disarray or a player is just really, really talented and a hard worker. K.J. Osborne is one of those guys. Again, a team that showed a plan and executed a plan. I really like when you I can see your planning. Um, the Carolina Panthers was another team I mentioned, um, really hit the home run with the draft. Um, they basically revamped and got younger in their defense. The only place they didn't address was middle linebacker, but I have a strong feeling they're going to probably push um, Shaq Thompson on the middle and see if he can operate there. But here's what they did in the draft. Derrick Brown, the most disruptive interior defender I've seen since Ndamukong and Sue. That's basically it. And he models his game after um, um, Chris... Um, I think it's Chris Thompson over at um, Kansas City, the defensive tackle. Um, Chris Jones, Chris Jones, um, defensive tackle at um, Kansas City Chiefs. He's 6'5", 326, very similar measurables. He could have went top 15 picks last year, ended up going top five, um, top 10 this year. Like, he is going to be awesome. Then they get one of the fastest defensive ends in the draft with your two gross Matos out of Penn State. Disrupted defender. He popped on film when he faced off against Memphis in the bowl game. Um... Then safety, Jeremy Chin. Not many people know about him. He's out of Southern Illinois, the Salukis. Um, I know about him because my cousin went over to that school and he told me about him. 6'3 corner, um, played safety um, at times 
and he's probably going to play safety in the league. But 6'3", 221 pounds, ran a 4.4540. So he has the speed, the length, and the agility along with the 41-inch vert to play ball in this league. If he was on Alabama, he probably would have went in top 10. Then they took another safety, Kenny Robinson, another sleeper out of West Virginia, 6'2", 198 pounds. This kid forgot, um, for, um, for, chose to forego his senior year uh, for financial reasons over at West Virginia, went over to the XFL and balled out. In five games, he had three interceptions. Um, for basically it's upstart league that's no longer going to be because of basically the coronavirus. They didn't have enough money to sustain. You need that first year. But he was disruptive, hit people, did what he needed to do, and played safety at a high level. Again, these are just teams that are showing a plan. Six-foot corner, Troy Pride, to go opposite um, another corner that they have over there in Jackson that they got last or last year or the year before last. Like, you're picking up players and you're showing a plan. This is a player that can, you know, basically either kick Jackson to the inside or play slot um, at corner. Troy Pride played excellent at um, Notre Dame as far as the defender's concerned. Um, the Panthers just came through with a plan. They executed the plan. Every single player was a defensive player. Oh, another player that they picked up out of FIU, um, Stanley Thomas Oliver III. His, his film against Miami alone with the PBUs, even though he didn't get the interceptions, they basically, he shut down K.J. Osborne. Like, we just spoke highly of K.J. Osborne, but his game versus K.J. Osborne was phenomenal that game. That's how FAU pulled out the upset against Miami. Now moving over to Arizona. This is when I mean when teams have a plan, but they make a pivot. Now, I saw Arizona when uh, Tristan Wurst um, fell down to him, taking him. But Isaiah Simmons also fell to them, and their defense has been piss poor. Now, their offensive line is atrocious. Don't get it twisted. It was atrocious. But they also had, you know, had a plan. They had to pivot. When you have a generational talent like a Tristan Wurst or Isaiah Simmons staring you, in the, <laughs> staring you in the face, they chose to make a pivot, and that's perfectly fine with me. Isaiah Simmons, with his 4-4-40 on top of his athletic profile, you now have Chandler Jones that you won't waste his later years, um, who just came off a double-digit sacks in a Pro Bowl and an All-Pro selection. You got Buda Baker, a young defensive back back there who made Pro Bowl. Now you have him in the middle of that defense, and then you have a couple of players that you drafted before, but you got a player that literally affects all three levels of the defense. You can't really go wrong with that. I understand you got to protect Kyler Murray. Um, some of the things that you've been doing in the offseason will help to, you know, negate that. But then they went and took Josh Jones out of Houston, a long, lengthy, um, 6'5", 319-pound, long um, offensive tackle to play um, left tackle in the third round. You got him out of steal. You got one of my favorite players, um, Lakey Fatu, um, a 6'5", 335-pound defensive tackle to put in the middle of your defense. Like, he was the reason why he, um, Utah's defense was so amazing because of his pressure. Then they got inside linebacker Evan Weaver, smart player, um, playing inside linebacker. He may end up being a regular starter for them. The one player that I couldn't believe slipped as far as he did, and I'm still trying to figure out why, because whenever you watch his film, running back is not always about speed. People get hung up in the 40 so much, but it's also about quickness, agility inside the box. And the reason why I look at that is because of footwork and how well you turn your feet. Do you go down easily when you're caught in a trap, in a box? And Eno Benjamin, outside of Cam Akers, was the best player, in my opinion, in the draft who faced a lot of adversity over at Arizona State. This year, the offensive line was atrocious. It was, by, it was not as bad as Florida State's, but it was close. <laughs> and Eno Benjamin 
always kept his feet moving, always kept everything churning, and pulled out some victories for um, Arizona State that they didn't deserve to win, quite frankly. They shouldn't have been bowl eligible, but Eno Benjamin and um, Brandon Ayuk were the reason why. And then you're sitting there and you're watching all of his film. And anytime he's getting racked up, you see him pulling out of tackles with his legs. He's churning his feet. He's moving what he needs to do. And he fell to the seventh round, eighth pick. How? How? He might end up being the starter in Arizona. And in two years, he's going to get another um, contract. And he's going to make up his money. Like I said, it's not where you start. It's where you finish. He's going to be able to stay at home in Arizona, have his bearings. He doesn't have to move. Shoot, if I was him being a seventh-round pick, stay where you were currently staying already. I don't care if it was on campus or something. But at the end of the day, save money, stack your work, put in the work, and when you come into Arizona, you take that starting job. Eno, Eno Benjamin literally could start in the NFL last year, and he's a seventh-round pick this year. It's amazing to me. I'm still baffled. I'm still dumbfounded by it. But like I said, teams with a plan. Oh, Another player, <laughs> I'm sorry, going back to the Baltimore Ravens. I, I know I moved off of them a little bit. J.K. Dobbins, you p- getting J.K. Dobbins in the second round as a value pick. You have Mark Ingram already there. Mark Ingram probably will be gone after next year. J.K. Dobbins immediately fills in for that. Malik Harrison out of Ohio State, inside linebacker, another inside linebacker, but he can run, flat out run. They took another defensive tackle. So when um, Calais Campbell, who you kind of can't replace, is gone, you know, they took a defensive tackle um, out of Texas A&M. I don't want to butcher this kid's last name. Again, teams with a plan. Tyree Phillips, another offensive tackle I thought was undervalued. They took him. He's going to be a right tackle um, to replace Ronnie Stanley, who went over to um, – I, I, I forget where he went. But anyway, you, you do what you're supposed to do in order for you to execute. And then another sleeper pick of mine, Geno Stone, uh, the seventh-round pick that they took – He's a shorter um, um, safety, but he was always in the right place at Iowa. Um, similar to his counterpart last year, um, King. Like, he was always in the right space. He's a smart player. He played quarterback in high school, was all state in Pennsylvania. He didn't get his um, shot at Penn State, so he went over to um, Iowa, and people are trying to figure out why in the world he's not getting any, any looks. Moves over from quarterback to safety and starts immediately. Three-year starter. Like, these are players you want on your team. But good teams get to have players like this slip to them. Now, granted, the Ravens passed on him seven times. But um, at the end of the day, like, he still is a Raven. That's that's good drafting. Now, I'm not going to get on teams who had limited draft picks who I think butchered the draft. Um, but I'm going to get on teams who had draft picks who I thought butchered the draft. Like, when you have two first-round picks and you pick a quarterback like Justin Herbert, who never showed to do anything at um, Oregon other than beat average to above-average teams. Not even above-average teams. He lost to Auburn by throwing the ball three three rows up in the stands. Like, yeah, he took advantage of poor competition in, in the Pac-12. What has the Pac-12 done in the college football playoffs um, era? I'm going I'm to I'm wait. I, I'm seriously going to wait. Um, yeah, they haven't. And he was supposed to get him there. Didn't get him there. You got Kenneth Murray. Again, I already spoke on Kenneth Murray, best player on a bad defense. Yeah, I'm not going to give you credit for that. Um, Joshua Kelly, uh, I've seen the kid run. More power to you. He's average. Uh, Joe Reed out of uh, Virginia, again, average. Uh, Aloy Gilman, I thought he can't play at all. As I don't care if he's a safety. He can't play. <laughs> I 
The only player that popped on Notre Dame's defense was picked by the Carolina Panthers. Um, the best pick that they had was, again, in the seventh round, which is crazy to me. K.J. Hill, the kid can play slot. He was, I thought he was the best slot receiver in the draft outside of Justin Jefferson. But he slides all the way to round seven. I don't know what to say about that, but, hey, he'll be the only remaining player. I, I literally think they busted out in this draft. I really do. Like, K.J. Hill saved them from busting out. Justin Herbert's going to be uh, – look, I hope he plays well. I hope he proves me wrong. I don't see Justin Herbert as a viable starter. I see him as Blaine Gabbert 2.0. Plays well when you're not watching him. Plays horrible when you're watching him. The only good game he had was against Wisconsin. And people are trying to tell me Wisconsin's defense is great. One player was drafted this year, and that was Zach Bond. One player. Wisconsin's defense was great last year. Not 2019. 2018, great defense. This past year, nah. You, 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 you lost me there. You lost me there. They had good coaching, um, but no, you lost me there. I, I'm sorry. Horrible. Horrible. Um, teams that tried to make the best of it, but I think reached on players. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they reached on C.J. Henderson, but he's the second-best corner in the draft by most measures. Um, okay, you picked him at 9? Um, when you probably could have got him at 12 to 15. Um, I don't believe, I don't subscribe to the value pick there, but even still, you have better players available to help out your offense, like Tristan Worse. Or, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I He wasn't the ninth best player in my, on my board. Um, and you got literally all pro players or level players. You know, we don't know, no, but we kind of know when you see it. It's kind of like the Supreme Court's definition of porn. You know it when you see it. Um, I don't see him as an all-pro corner because he can't tackle. He simply just can't tackle. And you do have to tackle in today's league. You can't be a Deion Sanders. And Deion Sanders gets a bad rap for it because some announcers said it, but Deion Sanders came up and made tackles all the time. Um, Caleb, um, Caleb on Chasen, look, he's an LSU outside linebacker. I like his size profile. I like his fit profile. I like the fact that he'll be two years removed from surgery. But Yannick Ngakwe doesn't want to be there, so he's going to be the guy like Fowler was. And, yeah, you, you, you've been burnt with player types like him already. And you brought in another one last year out of Kentucky, and it's basically the same player. So I'm trying to figure out, you, you know, what are you doing um, when I'm looking at this? I think Chasen would have been a better fit somewhere else is what I'm getting at. You got LaVisca Chanel. I think he's a really good receiver, but they didn't really need receivers. You got D.D. Jefferson. Um, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, D.D. Jefferson and um, uh, um, Shark, D.J. Shark. And um, I just didn't think you need a receiver at that point in time. Yeah, I, the rest of theirs, I'm just I'm trying to find a plan. You had a lot of picks, but I don't think you executed a plan properly. Um, I don't. Yeah, it's just you didn't have to pivot and you pivoted. That's what I'm getting at. Um, the Rams. They had picks later on, and in the middle of the draft, they made some trades that, you know, guarded them these things. Um, they sent out, um, they released uh, Ty Gurley. They bring in Cam Akers. No injury history, a major injury history to, um, to see, and he has all the talent in the world, just like Ty Gurley did. So it's one in, one out, and you don't have to pay him. Van Jefferson for Brandon Cooks. I think Van Jefferson, also a really good route runner. 
um, slightly behind KJ Hill in my personal opinion, but he got picked in the second round. I thought the receivers would last a lot longer. The run on receivers in the second, first, bottom half of the first turn, first round, and through the end of the second round was crazy. Twelve receivers went um, before Van Jefferson even came off the board. I saw twelve receivers going by the top of the third round, not the twenty-fifth pick in the second round. Believe me when I tell you, when you're drafting, that's a big difference. Uh, Terrell Lewis, I think, is a really good pick. Um, he's going to replace Fowler um, fairly well. And then you got Terrell Burgess, who I think is a real baller. The only other player on Utah that I thought was worth drafting. Um, and that's pretty much it. I thought the Rams did a really good job. Um, teams that I you know, root for, like the Colts, I, they executed a plan. It's just I wouldn't have picked the players that they picked. I thought Michael Pittman Jr. is a really good player, size profile and things of that nature, really good route runner. And he doesn't drop the ball, but... I think that they already filled that size profile before, but they go with um, Michael Pittman Jr. I hope he does well for my team. Jonathan Taylor over Cam Akers. I just think that Cam Akers with one of the best offensive lines in football would have done great. We've already seen Jonathan Taylor and what he does behind a great offensive line, and I don't think that you can really duplicate it any more than that. Um, Julian Blackman thought he was a really good pick. Jacob Eason in the fourth round, I understand making that pick. Um, you got Phillip Rivers, you got Jacoby Brissett, but you're not sure who your future lies with. Is it Brissett? Is it um, someone else? And you got to take a shot. I believe in taking the quarterback every year. So Jacob Eason right there is not that bad. Danny Painter can play. Yeah, I think he can play. That was a really good pick. Um, Desmond Patton also. I think he's in the mold of um, uh, the same thing with uh, I was just saying about uh, uh, Pittman. Smooth route runner um, and 6'4 and 225. It's the same player. So I get Frank Wright comes from, um, you know, the system over in um, in Philly and also in, um, what do you call it, in San Diego and also under the Andy Reid tree. You know, big receivers make a big difference. But I thought that, uh, you know, after taking Paris Campbell last year, you want somebody who is also fast and big, and neither one of these players are those. They're just, you know, fast enough and big enough, and they get separation. They're going to get catches. Um, hopefully it works out for Phillip Rivers because they got a really good run game now, um, elite run game now with the offensive line talent that they have and also the running backs that they have with Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines, and now adding Jonathan Taylor, who is as fast as Naeem Hines, but as big as Marlon Mack. You got that as a combination. You know what? I can't really knock the pick. It's just I like Cam Akers a little bit better than Jonathan Taylor, but, you know, that's how they saw it. Now, another team, Denver Broncos, executed excellently in this draft. They, they need an offensive weaponry to put around their quarterback, Drew Locke, and his, um, his uh, skill set. He's a big arm thrower um, who can um, take advantage of people who get open. Well, you got Jared Judy. He gets open better than anyone in the draft. Then you go and pick K.J. Hamler. If he gets past you, he's getting open more than anybody in the NFL draft. <laughs> um, then you got um, – then they go and pick a corner um, to replace um, – uh, Chris Harris, who just left. Then they get a center because they need an, another center. Lloyd Cushenberry can't play. Um, and like Tyree Cleveland, they, they did a good job at filling necessary voids in their, their um, draft process. Teams that I think really missed on the draft. Um, they draft, the Lions draft Jeff, Jeff Okuda and DeAndre Swift. Two players that fill a need. Kinda. Um, if you had DJ Slay, you probably don't draft Jeff, Jeff Okuda, but if you do have DJ Slate and you draft Jeff Okuda, then guess what? You have 
the two best corners probably in your division, and that's a division filled with decent corners. I mean, really good corners. Um, but you got Jeff Okuda, and now he has no help on the opposite side. Then you get DeAndre Swift, but you got Kerryon Johnson, who ran the ball pretty well. Um, I, I don't know if that's a whole lot of upgrade, but it's still a really good back. Okay, I kind of get it. The rest of the draft is just straight trash. I, I just don't see it. <laughs> Jonah Jackson may be a good pick. Everything else, I don't even, I don't even want to mention. Green Bay Packers. <sighs> Aaron Rodgers needs help. Either at offensive tackle getting younger or receiver. Um, you draft Jordan Love, the biggest project in the draft, who legit reminds me of Brett Hundley, who you've made mistakes of, um, of in the past. You would think, literally, the kid is 6'4", 225. Brett Hundley, 6'5", 225. Similar stats coming out of college. Hundley had a great um, sophomore year when he had a bunch of players around him. Had a terrible junior year when he didn't have a bunch of players around him. Sound familiar? <laughs> That's the excuses they're making for Jordan Love. But they're like, oh, he's going to sit behind Aaron Rodgers. Brett Hundley was going to sit behind Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers had, gets hurt his um, second year in the league, breaks a collarbone, and they proceed to lose out. Like, they literally lost every game. <laughs> uh. Uh, and then the Packers um, pick A.J. Dillon in the second freaking round. I had some mocks having A.J. Dillon going in the sixth round. Granted, A.J. Dillon is a decent running back with size. You, Aaron Jones is clearly better than A.J. Dillon. Period. The rest of the draft, I don't know who they picked. Like, literally, these players I weren't even scoutable to me. And I watched over 120 players film going into this draft. I didn't watch any of the players that they got other than John Runyon. And I thought John Runyon was just going to get drafted off his name because his dad was a um, great offensive lineman when he played. Like, he did. He got drafted off his name. I watched Jordan Love eight games. One game was great. Um, A.J. Dillon, he had one year that was great, his freshman year. After that, they loaded the box, and B.C. was a terrible team. Worst, literally might be the worst draft of them all. <laughs> uh, the Saints, what did they do? I remember I, I liked one of their picks. Oh, two of their picks. Zach Bond, best player on uh, Wisconsin on a really good defense. Um, a really good coach defense, not a really good defense, really good coach defense. Um, and they got um, Cesar Ruiz, who I thought was the best interior lineman in the draft. They picked him up, so they're protecting Drew Brees. And then they're going to be signing Jameis Winston as a backup because they're not still not sure what they're doing with uh, T Taysom Hill. Um, I think that's a decent move for Jameis. It worked out for Teddy. Hopefully it works out for Jameis. Um, who else? The Patriots, because everybody wants to know what they're going to do after Tom Brady. Carl Duggar, I thought, was a really good player in this draft. I thought he could have been first round. He goes top five in the second round. Uh, kid is amazing with the ball. and He just goes and gets the ball. Uh, yeah, he's going to start for the Patriots as a rookie. Um, Anthony Jennings. They really are going to go ahead and ride out with Jared Stidham. They drafted two tight ends in the third round. Uh, a place kicker, a guard, a tackle. Like, nothing of note that says that they're moving away from Jared, St Jared Stidham. More power to him. Now, let's see if it works out. 
And um, I think I'm going to wrap here. No need to go every team. I just wanted to give you, you know, some looks, news and notes. Um, this is the longest podcast I've done in a minute. Um, but at the same time, it was the NFL draft, 32 teams. I spent 35 minutes on highlighting certain teams here and there. Biggest winners, biggest losers, that type of thing. Um, it happens for everybody. But at the same time, I want to thank uh, my sponsor, MyBillReview.com. Just go to them. Um, if you're a small business, uh, and I know during these times, businesses are looking for ways to cut down expenses and things of that nature, MyBillReview.com will look over your bills, give you a nice business analysis, help you cut down on some bills um, that you currently have going on right now, especially when you can't have visitors to your offices and you're thinking of creative ways. They do telecommunications. Um, they do security. Um and other items that can help you lower your bills as a small business and as a homeowner as well. That's mybillreview.com. That's mybillreview.com. Um, reach out to them and they can help you out and assist you in that, that regard. Thanks for listening to the program. Again, thank all the people who, uh, you know, I had some, you know, heated debates with online and also um, over um, at Zoom um, draft day party that I had. Appreciate um, Devin Dobson, Willie Payne, Jonathan Scavella, Troy Patrick. Um, Edwin Ferguson, uh, anybody I missed, I probably got you in the first podcast, um, from instant reaction from day one. Um, appreciate you. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, you'll hear from me soon after tonight's, uh, broadcast of the last dance. I'll give you an instant reaction on, uh, episodes three and four. I'm looking forward to it because it got Dennis Rodman, one of my favorite, uh, players to, you know, just watch outside of basketball. Um, coming up, the whole series is revolving around him, at least episode three tonight. So that should be fun. Um, Thanks for listening to the program. This is your boy, Ron Wells. Have a good one.